Turn your love of babies and bellies into cash. If you love babies and bellies and want to provide care and support to families, then Bebo Mia's webinar is the right place for you. Get answers to those burning questions like how to be the voice you wish you had at your birth and how babies and families can be supported by doulas. Learn all about the different kinds of doulas. You can work in fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, or just enjoy working with those squishy babies. Supporting families by becoming a birth worker, aka doula, is perhaps an option that hasn't even crossed your mind. And that's why we want you to join this webinar. You can have great earning potential while doing something you love. Mia is the one-stop shop for education, community, and mentorship. Reserve your spot today at bebomia.com slash free webinar. Welcome, welcome. This is Megan Heaton with the VBAC link, and we have a co-host today. I'm so excited to start welcoming in some co-hosts, and these are actually our VBAC doulas and birth workers. So welcome, Tara. Thank you, Thank you so much for being with us. It's awesome to be here. It's super fun. It's kind of been something I've wanted to do for a long time and thought it would be fun. It just kind of adds, you know, some different, you know, vibes, I guess, to the to the podcast. Yeah. And you guys are all over the world too. And so it's kind of fun to hear your stories and your tidbits and what you see. Um, so at the end, we're going to let her share um, some information as well. So Without further ado, we always have a review. And just a reminder, if you guys have not left a review, we always love them and welcome them. You can leave them on Apple Podcasts. You can shoot us an email. You can go to Facebook and, and write one there. You can even Google the VBAC link and leave us a review there. So wherever it may be, wherever you're comfortable, drop us a review. It may be read next on the podcast. Okay, Tara, if you wouldn't mind reading someone's amazing review. Yeah, I got it. So this is from Paige, who reviewed the VBAC course. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. So not the podcast, but she's talking about the course. And she says, this course is as comprehensive and user friendly as it gets. The workbook is so beautiful and the information is so easy to find. I use the data pages more than once when interviewing providers and discussing hospital policies in preparing for my VBAC after two cesareans. I felt so empowered and confident in setting myself up for a positive birth experience with these tools in hand. So that's from Paige. Love it. Thank you, Paige. Seriously, we we have done kind of a lot on this, this VBAC course, and it's going to be continuing to update because as we know, birth updates all the time, right? It's always updating. It's always changing. But our VBAC um, students, I don't know if anybody who is out there taking our course, I want you to know that as information comes in and as the course updates, you're always getting access to these updates. So, so excited, Paige. Thank you so much. And yeah, if you're interested in learning more and upping your VBAC game, we have courses for both parents and birth workers who are wanting to find more information about VBAC and how to support VBAC. And, you know, Tara, she's one of them. She's one of our VBAC doulas. And we love to spotlight them and we're going to have them on the podcast. And so we love our birth workers. We talk about, you know, VBAC is something that's, it's all over the world. And we can't, like, I personally, as Megan Heaton, cannot change the VBAC world alone. Like I, it's physically impossible, right? So between all of us birth workers out there and all of us parents out there learning about our options and advocating for ourselves and advocating for clients, it's going to help change the VBAC world immensely. So Definitely check out the course if you're interested at the VBAC link. 
vbacklink.com. You are tuned into the VBackLink podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself, here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C-section. Along with this podcast, the VBackLink offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here is your host, Megan. Okay, Miss Jackie, you are holding a brand new baby. Tara and I so got cute. to see this little squish when we started. Oh, I love it. It's perfect. You are fresh out of your VBAC after two C-sections. And so excited. We know we talked about a little bit before we started. We know so many people are wanting more stories about VBAC after multiple cesareans and specifically too. Um, so Jackie, we would love to turn the time over to you to share this beautiful baby's story. All right. Um, so I guess where you always want to start is why you had your first C-section. So <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my first baby, I did, uh, we live in a rural area, like Walmart in Canada was closer than Walmart in the States for us. Very rural. The closest hospital was about an hour 15 away from us. There were three hospitals I could choose from. One was an hour 15. One was about an hour 30. And the other one was, I think, another hour 20 or something like that. So I did my research on all the hospitals, found the hospital with the lowest C-section rate because I was not going to have a C-section. Did all my research, found myself awesome midwives who were going to work with me. And then I went in for a scan around 34 weeks to find out that my daughter was breech. And nobody in the rural community that we live in, in any of those hospitals, would deliver a breech baby. Hmm. So I could travel like three hours and deliver a breech baby uh, vaginally. But I opted for the C-section. I figured it was the safest bet for me where we were at. Um, cried a lot about that. Uh, my midwife uh, was amazing she comforted me because all i heard was my friends who had uh c-sections recently and how terrible their c-sections were mm. one of them got knocked out general anesthesia and couldn't Oof. see her baby for like six hours uh, another one told me that at the hospital she went to she didn't get knocked out but they told her she couldn't go see her baby in recovery until she could move her legs after her c-section oh. so i was my yeah Falling my eyes out because I was like, I'm not going to be able to see my baby at all. Like, and I'm telling the midwife that she goes, no, that will not happen to you at this hospital at all. Like those other two hospitals, I don't know what they're doing, but we will not allow that. Your baby will be checked over like four seconds right next to your head by the pediatrician. And then she'll be with you. And I will be in the operating room with you, even though I don't need to be there. Mm -hmm. So loved this midwife. Amazing woman. Absolutely loved her. Tried giving this third baby. Her name is a middle name. My husband was kind of Aww. against that. Oh, <laughs> that is so sweet of you. That um, she must have impacted you a lot then. She she was amazing. I remember coming into the OR. They're getting me all prepped and laying at the table. She comes, she pulls down her mask. She goes, I know you can't tell who I am underneath the mask right now, but I'm here with you. I'll stay right with you the whole time. So oh. I absolutely loved her. And That's she was amazing. Anyone can do is just be present like that. How many weeks were you, Jackie, when you had your C-section? Uh, I had a scheduled C-section at 39 weeks. Um, they wanted to 
make it a little bit later than that, but I wanted my child to be born on the 22nd. So I chose the 22nd instead of I had to have a C-section. I wanted my baby born the 22nd. Uh, my birthday is the 22nd. My husband and I got married on the 22nd. And then his birthday is 211, which multiplies to 22. Yeah. So that was special. I was going to have the baby mm-hmm. on the 22nd. And they were like, all right, well, we'd like it closer to 40 weeks. I go, it's 39 weeks. They'll be fine. So we had her silver linings of choosing the date is at least you can have a little bit of control over that, right? Yes. Having a planned C-section that I guess made it easy. We were able to drive down the night before the C-section. Because again, we were driving an hour and a half for this and they wanted us there at like 6 a.m. So we drove down the night before, went so smooth. Everything that I wanted, I researched everything I could for a general cesarean. They had, um, or a general, a general cesarean. And they had the leads for the monitors on my back. They put the IV where I wanted it. They helped me take off my gown and put the baby right onto my chest as soon as the pediatrician was done in like two minutes with her. It was like a perfectly done C-section. Everything I wanted went well. Uh, baby didn't leave my chest until my husband, I think probably a couple hours after I, uh, after I had her goes, do you think I could hold her now? I was like, I guess so. <laughs> so they were great. They postponed any weights. They postponed wiping her down. She still had blood all over her. It was like, again, the perfect C-section if you had to have a C-section. With my second, it was the time of COVID. She was born in May of 2020. So beautiful COVID baby. Mm. Her due date was the day after my first daughter's due date. So exactly two years apart. Planned it out perfectly with the date. So I had my two years. The midwife told me I had to have to be able to have my V back. Because of COVID, they started doing only phone appointments. And if I went in, I always made sure to schedule with my favorite midwife because I absolutely loved her. She'd be measuring me. She'd be like, hey, you're measuring a week ahead. You're measuring a week and a half ahead. No big deal. She didn't have any concerns with it. At my 39-week appointment, I had it with the head midwife of the department. And she got very concerned that I was going to be having a V-back and my, my fundal height was measuring larger, like a week and a half, two weeks ahead at that point. And she sent me for a growth scan and said I had to have it like immediately. So I scheduled it. I think it was like three days after that appointment. Scheduled it with um, the ultrasound people. I think I was 40 weeks exactly that day. And I went in to the scan and I said, don't tell me it's breach because I'd already been fearful that this would be a breech baby again. And he said, nope, you're not breech, but you are measuring about 10 pounds for this baby. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like I was freaking out because I knew they probably would say I couldn't have my V back because I was having a big baby. And as a tiny rural hospital without anesthesia on staff, like it, it, they can't handle that sort of thing. So he tried comforting me and telling me that don't worry, these scans can be two pounds over under you're probably only having an eight pound baby, don't worry about it. I was like, okay, when my midwife got the results, the next day, I was 40 plus one. And she said, Nope, your baby's measuring 10 pounds, we can't have you do that here. If you want, you can come in for a C section today. Hmm. I said, Well, I don't want to have a C section. Um, and I already had uh, talked to the larger hospital that I would have to go to. If I were to go, they they were going to allow me at the rural hospital to go 10 days past uh, my due date. And if I was going to be pregnant for more than 10 days past my due date, I had to go to this larger hospital. Oh, man. So 
So I, I'd already had my phone interview, I guess, with the MFMs at the larger hospital. We discussed if I needed to have an induction because I was past dates by more than 10 days. And they were all on board with that. They understood that it was going to be a VBAC. They were fine with everything. Actually, the night before, I had started having contractions. And I told the person on, uh, on the interview that I said, well, last night I had contractions. This morning, they've kind of gone away. But hopefully, I have this baby and I don't need to come see you guys. Yeah. Jenny, After can I, had, I ask you, can I ask you, yep. how, what was the birth weight of your first baby? Seven pounds, two ounces. Okay, hmm. so that would be a big difference. I did mm-hmm. have gestational diabetes with the first one. Mm-hmm. And, wow, that's still uh, a small baby. Like, yes, but I, I monitored my sugars religiously with her because if I did not have good sugar numbers, I would risk out of the midwives and have to be with the OBs. Uh, mm-hmm. So I made sure like, Every little thing that went inside me, it was the right amount of sugar, the right amount of everything. So I, I maintained my gestational diabetes with her amazingly. The second one, I did not get classified with gestational diabetes. Um, but again, it was COVID and I was baking every single day with my two-year-old to keep her busy and eating every single new cookie we discovered and new bread and everything we were making because that's what you have to do when you're stuck in a quarantine, I guess. Yeah, COVID, uh, COVID brought on the baking for a lot of us. Yeah, and with most likely gestational diabetes, probably wasn't the best idea. Even though I had tested negative for it, I should have maintained those sugars better, I guess. So I talked to, so my the midwife called back and told me it's a 10-pound baby. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to go to this other hospital or have a C-section with us. So they contacted the other hospital. The other hospital called me back and said, hey, you can come in for an induction tonight when can you be here? And I said, um, well, we got to pack up and then we can drive down there. This hospital is about three hours away from us. And they said, oh, it's going to take you three hours. Yeah, we'll definitely have a bed open for you in three hours. Come on down now. So my husband and I drove down and as I'm having contractions again, all the way down there, um, and as he's hitting every single railroad track there is, because that's what you do in a rural community. There's lots of railroad tracks. (laughs) Um, We get down there and they were going to check me. But then there was somebody actually having a baby. So the OB that was there stepped out and went and delivered that baby. They came back in and they checked me. And I think I was at like five centimeters or something like that. And I told them that I didn't sleep the night before because I was having little contractions and was too excited to sleep. And I asked for um, something just basically to let me get some rest. So they gave me something in an IV. I can't remember exactly what it was. But it was a lovely concoction of something. (laughs) And uh, I went into their birth pool tub thing and just floated around all night long with whatever they gave me. And uh, my husband kept telling me I kept falling asleep and snoring in the pool while he was there. And he kept having to be like, all right, let's make sure she doesn't drown now. Yeah, I'm glad he was with you. (laughs) But I got some rest and that was nice. And in the morning... They had me come out because they needed to do rounds or whatever. And the new OB on was going to check me. Um, They checked me and I was at eight centimeters and was basically told. Oh, also, they've been giving me Pitocin at like, I think it was a two is what they told me the whole night to get contractions going, even though I already had contractions going. So I was at eight in the morning and uh, they told me basically this baby is going to be a 10 pound baby. We're going to need to use forceps to get this baby out you should probably think about getting an epidural now. So I thought, well, I'm at an eight already. They always say, wait till you get to like six centimeters. Eight sounds good. I'll get the epidural because the idea of giant forceps 
did not impress me very much. It sounded very painful. So I said, sure, we'll take, uh, we'll take the epidural. And I got some sleep from the epidural too, which was nice. But then they checked me a few hours later, and I think I was at a nine. A few hours later, still at a nine. At one point, the doctor must have been close to like six o'clock. The doctor came in and said, hey, um, you're still at a nine. We're going to do a C-section. And my husband, not very good um, physically with labor and birth and all that stuff, but he's amazing at advocating for me. And he knew what I wanted. He knew I wanted this feedback. Talked to the doctor, pulled him aside and said, nope, she wants this feedback. You obviously want to go home. You go home. We'll, we'll wait like three or four hours and we'll reassess the new doctor coming in. He's listened to the VBAC link with me. He's listened to other podcasts with me and he knows that. Oh, uh, I love that. That's amazing. It's good. <laughs> that is and, amazing. But he was like, we'll, we'll see who else comes in and we'll, we'll reassess then. She really wants this. So you can leave. Nothing. He's like, nothing's wrong with the baby. Nothing's wrong with her. They're like, no, nothing's wrong. And so that doctor went home for the night. New doctor came in a three hours later that we gave him for a timeline and said, hey, you're still at a nine. We're going to do a C-section now. And my husband turned to me and said, we took the time and you're still there. In the meantime, uh, between that three hours, I was looking up all the different things that I could do. With yeah, I was girl. Say, were there any, were there anybody like, or was there anybody offering any suggestions or saying, okay, this is why we think you're at a nine or like, okay, the front of your cervix is thicker than the back of your cervix. Like, was there any of that communication or was it just like, oh, so you're still there? I'm blaming COVID still because nobody was coming into the the room at all like mm -hmm. nobody would come into the room because i mean it's the beginning of covid nobody knows what covid's going on all this stuff so no like i had no nurses coming in a nurse would come in every once in a while to make sure the monitor was on my stomach correctly because it lost whatever but other than that nope nobody was coming in so it was basically me on google figuring out what can i do i asked for a peanut ball i had the peanut ball I was going back and forth peanut ball i um move the bed around. At one point I called her and I said, I can feel my legs. Can I just get up and walk? And she was like, no, you can't. You have an epidural. Mm, uh, yeah. Jackie, do you know at how, one how high the baby was when you were uh, at nine for a while? Zero. Oh, so it's hmm. pretty well engaged. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I, I blame everything on COVID. That's what I'm going to keep telling myself. Not that it was the hospital or anything. I'm just going to yeah. say it was COVID. I told the uh, MFM I had this time about that. He goes, yeah, I think they just didn't wait. I, I blame COVID too. And I was like, thanks, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, thanks for validating me. <laughs> yes. Thank you for that one. So I ended up having a C-section with that one, which an unplanned C-section was not the best. The epidural I had was causing problems at one point. It pulled out while I was in labor still. And didn't realize that I thought I was just being a wimp and being like, oh, I could feel this through my epidural. And they're like, oh, no, you pulled it out. When I went into the OR, I told the, the guy, I was like, I can feel my legs. I can feel everything. I could stand up right now if you want. And he was like, no, you're fine. I, I'll just put some more into this epidural. You'll be fine. I was like, I can feel everything. And I was arguing with him that my epidural wasn't working. Mm. And he told me, fine, I'll put you under general anesthesia. Ah. And I said, no. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, you will not. I'm fine. My baby's fine. I don't want to do this. Get me out of this OR. Get me my husband get me out of here. I, I'm not having a C-section if this is the way it's going to be. And I started yelling at him and he told me I needed to calm down, that it was not a big deal. And just was the absolute opposite of my anesthesiologist that I had in my first birth, who was like everything she could do to make me feel great. This one was just arguing with me. So he told me if I keep up whatever I was doing, 
uh, and don't calm down that he was just going to put me under general anesthesia. Mm. So I just yelled at him. I said, fine, cut me open now then. I really don't care. You're not putting me under. Just cut me open. I don't care if I can feel it. So they tested it out and I couldn't feel it as much as I thought I was going to be able to feel it, but you could still feel it much more than I did in my spinal for my first one. So they do the, the C-section. My husband's there and I get a pain like between my shoulder blades from the epidural and I can't lay down. And he's telling me that he's going to have to strap me down because I'm going to grab at my belly and I have to be strapped down for this. I'm like, my first C-section, I was not strapped down. They didn't even argue with me that it was fine. He goes, no, C-section, you have to be strapped down for. So then when I started complaining about my back hurting and I couldn't lay down, he unstrapped my arm so that way he could turn me to my side and make it so my back wouldn't hurt. They took the baby out. And instead of the baby coming straight to me, they took the baby and wiped her all down. They measured her. They did all that stuff. Had my husband go over onto that side, which he's really squeamish. So he was not happy about being on the other side of the curtain. I'm waiting for the drum roll of the, the birth weight. Oh, oh, she was nine, <laughs> nine pounds, 15 ounces. Oh, so, so they were pretty close. Yeah, yeah, they were an ounce off. <laughs> she was a giant baby. She's 99th percentile head, height, weight, everything. And mm-hmm. she's maintained that 99th percentile in the two years of her life. I think she got down <laughs> to 90, 95th percentile at her two-year appointment for weight. But yeah, she she's just a big kid. Hey, though, I mean, we had um, Katrina, one of our doulas, talk about uh, VBAC claim. It's like 11 pounds something. So wow. nine pounds is pretty small. It's not all about the size. Yeah. Yeah. Nine pounds, 15 ounces. And I, I still yeah. think that I would have been able to have the baby just fine. I remember yeah, my first- most of the way there. I mean, you're kind of one of those people that did both. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, you did both. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's hard. So at my six-week appointment with uh, my midwives, I came in and talked to them. And I said, so when can I have a VBAC after two cesareans? Six weeks later, I'm already asking that. I asked the OB while I was uh, at the large hospital if they did VBAC after two cesareans. And they said, yep, you can come down for that uh, if you have another kid. And when I was back at my little rural hospital, the OB there, there was a new OB. And she said, oh, yeah, I don't see why you couldn't have one. That'd be fine. Just don't have a big baby this time. And then my midwife looked it up and she found online that they don't have a policy against me back after two cesareans either. So she said, oh, yeah, you, you can definitely do this. So then wow. that's the hard. That's a lot of pressure, though, too. Like, don't have a big baby this time. Yeah, just don't have a big baby this time. Yeah. <laughs> kind of hard to like totally control I mean you can obviously do your best but so when we got pregnant with our third I went in and met with them and we discussed feedback after two cesareans how it was they told me two years ago that it was still in the plan and my midwife says well let me talk to the head OB person it's a small hospital so there's three midwives and I believe there's two or three OBs And she talks to the OB and the OB said, no, you had a 10 pound baby last time. We will not allow you to have a VBAC after two cesareans. And I said, okay, well, when do I transfer over to the big hospital then? Mm. Um, It's a longer drive. I don't really want to make that drive for my appointments. Can I do my appointments with you guys? And then I'll transfer over later. And I said, that's fine. Stay with us as long as you need to. And we'll figure this out. I said, okay. In the meantime, they check to see if I have gestational diabetes because after having gestational diabetes and then having a large baby, they assume 
I'm going to have it again. I failed the one hour and then passed the three hour. I, I passed the one hour at 18 weeks with this one. And then I did it again at 28 weeks and I failed the one hour and then I had to do it again for the three hour. According to the numbers in Vermont, I would have failed by like one point and been diagnosed with gestational diabetes. I might add at the time, we also uh, moved states. So at 28 weeks, we moved from New Hampshire to New York, again, a nice rural community in the middle of nowhere. So at 28 weeks, I had them do the test, but I also had them prescribe the stuff for gestational diabetes. So that way I could monitor my sugars and make sure that I don't have a giant baby. Uh, while we were in New Hampshire, I started researching and asking on the VBAC Link community Facebook group, asking on mom groups in the area where we are in New York, where I could have a VBAC after two cesareans. And I did all my research of the different cities that were close to us. I say close because both of them were about two hours away from us to find out where I could have this. Uh, somebody recommended I have a home birth and I was like, sure, I, I would love that idea because I wouldn't have to go anywhere. This sounds like a great idea. But in New York State, if you're having a VBAC after two cesareans, you have to uh, have it in a hospital. You can't have it in a birth center. You can't have it at home. So that was kind of a bummer because I had found a midwife local to us who does them in Pennsylvania because Pennsylvania will allow it, but New York doesn't. So I found a hospital with midwives in, uh, in Rochester, New York, and I talked to them on, they had a Facebook Live, Meet Your Midwife, one day, and I talked to them and I asked them some questions. I said, could I have a VBAC after two cesareans? And they said, well, why do, you need to, why do you need to specify that it's after two cesareans? And I said, well, a lot of places won't allow you to do it after two cesareans. And they were like, no, it's just a VBAC. They, they didn't seem to have a problem with that. I said, well, what if I have a large baby? Because my last one was 10 pounds. Can I still have my VBAC? And they're like, 10 pounds really isn't that big. And I was like, okay, I, I'm liking these answers. <laughs> I'm liking these answers so far. You're like, I'm so, not going to disagree with you. <laughs> yeah. And then I asked, what if I have gestational diabetes? Because I know some places when you have gestational diabetes, you risk out of being able to have the midwives and you end up with the OB. So they said, why would you have to not have midwives if you have gestational diabetes? Like, like everything that I was wow. told before, they were just kind of like, it doesn't they're make like, any sense. They're why like pushing back? back on you. They're like, hey, listen, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we are VBAC no, problem. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, like, I think it was like a Facebook live event or something. After that, I was like, oh, right. I think I found where I want to go. And then we went to see my mother-in-law and we get a text from a friend saying, hey, uh, you guys were at our party last uh, this past weekend and somebody at the party just tested positive for COVID. So we took our tests right there at a mother-in-law's house and we tested positive for COVID. Oh, no. So my first appointment got to be a virtual appointment because of COVID. We all mm. tested positive. Bummer. So it, it was a bummer and having to quarantine and do all that fun stuff. Um, so a couple weeks later after I'm out of the COVID quarantine, I get to actually go up and meet my midwives, a large, uh, midwife place with like a waiting room that actually people are in. It was a lot different than my tiny little hospital in the middle of nowhere in Vermont. So I meet with the midwives there. I explain to them that, uh, according to the numbers that my OB, my midwives pulled for my gestational diabetes screen, 
that I had gestational diabetes. I read them the numbers I had from my, my chart. And they looked at me and said, no, that's not gestational diabetes. Our cutoff is 185, not 180 here in New York. So now I don't have gestational diabetes anymore. And um, I told them that I would like to keep my monitor though and just continue monitoring because I don't want to have a giant baby again. And they were okay with that. And they just took it off my chart. So I drove two hours every two weeks and every one week, you know, all those appointments all the way up to Rochester to meet with these midwives. And anytime I went in with a concern, they basically told me, nope, that's fine. You can have your VBAC. I also hired a doula in the area too, because it was recommended from my favorite midwife back in Vermont that if I'm going to be somewhere new with people I don't know, I should have a doula who can help support me. And I agreed with that. So we got ourselves a doula. So now we're talking about the lovely birth story. So my doula kept contacting me and I kept telling her, no, I'm going to go late. I'm not going to go to 40 weeks. It'll be more than 40 weeks. Like I, I'll have this baby inside me forever. This pregnancy is so easy compared to my other two. Like I'm not in pain. Like this is, I could be pregnant for 42 weeks and not even care, but I definitely can't have my baby this week. And she's like, why? I said, well, my husband's a teacher. His first day of school, it, it was Labor Day weekend. So his first day of school was the day after Labor Day. And I go, and my, my uh, oldest is starting preschool in a new preschool. I don't want to ruin this week for them. It's their first week back to school. And I can't have my baby this week. So maybe next weekend I'll have the baby. It'll work out then. And my, my doula was like, okay, whatever you say, like this baby can come whenever they want, but sure, you can go late, whatever. So my kid and my husband have their first day of school. Everything goes great. That night I put the, my kids to bed and I started having little contractions like I did with my second. And I was like, well, it's probably just going to keep me awake all night. And I've heard many a birth story on here that said, take some Benadryl, take some Tylenol and just try and sleep through it. So that's what I did. I took some Benadryl, I took some Tylenol and I slept through it. I'd wake up every once in a while around midnight. I was like, maybe I should start timing these, figure out what's going on. And they were coming like five, 10 minutes apart, something like that. They weren't consistent and I could sleep through a lot of it. So I just said, all right, I'll take some more Benadryl and Tylenol and I'll just keep sleeping. My two-year-old crawled into bed with me and while having contractions and trying to sleep with contractions and a two-year-old, was not very fun. So I snuck out of the room and went down and slept on the couch. And it was time of the contractions there. My two-year-old started crying, looking for me, asking where I was. So I went back upstairs and I snuggled her in her bed and the contractions were still happening. I was like, this is strange. Last time, like basically when I woke up, they went away, but whatever. They weren't very painful and I could sleep through them. So I didn't think anything was happening. My husband gets up for his second day of school and he's in the shower and I said, hey, don't get too excited to be at school. Don't get too excited about this. I go, I've been having contractions. They're probably going to fizzle out when the sun comes up. Don't worry about it. But maybe have some plans together for the afternoon because I'll probably call you and say, hey, we need to go to a hospital. And he said, oh, you think you're going to have the baby? I said, uh, I don't know, but just, just have some plans just in case. Like, leave that like that. So I get the uh, four-year-old all dressed, send my husband and him, her to school. And I bring my two-year-old out to our makeshift living area in the barn. And uh, I climb the stairs to the barn. I'm making us breakfast. And all of a sudden, my contractions went from, oh, this is nothing I can sleep through it to. Maybe I should not have sent them to school. This is not feeling right. I'm having contractions now a lot closer together. Um, they're a lot more painful. And I'm trying to breathe through them. 
and my two-year-old's copying me and making fun of me. So <laughs> I'm trying know to know yet. I, I sent her a text at this point. I said, Hey, I'm um, just letting you know. And she's like, all right, well, I go, I don't, it's probably nothing. Like, again, I don't think anything's going to happen. I was like in labor for 48 hours. The other one, like nothing's going to happen anytime soon. I didn't want to worry her. I did send a text to my mother-in-law too, because she lives about 45 minutes away. And I said, Hey, um, if you get dressed and ready for the day, do you think you could come on over to the house instead of going to work today? Would that be okay? And she's like, yeah, th that'll be fine. I'll be over after my shower. And I said, okay. So they pick up a lot more. My doula texted me and she said, uh, maybe you should hop in the shower until your husband gets back. Cause I, I haven't been able to get a hold of him. Uh, his school has been in the news because they said no cell phones at all for kids. So he's making sure his cell phone's not even like seen in the school building. So I can't get a hold of him, even though I told him to keep an eye out for me. So I'm trying to text him. My doula says, go hop in the shower. I was like, yeah, you're right. I probably should hop in the shower. This all go away. So I said, bring my two-year-old inside. On the way inside, uh, we have our, our crew who's working on the house is all there. They volunteered the day before to take me to the hospital if I needed it. So I'm like trying to not show them that I'm in labor at all, like hiding my facial expressions. Like, this is no big deal. Like construction crew, you're fine. You stay here. Bring my two-year-old and sit up with the TV and I hop in the shower. I try calling my husband's school and I realized that I can't get through a contraction or I, I can't get through the automated messaging system to find out how to get a hold of my husband at this new school before another contraction comes. So I text my mother-in-law and I said, you need to call him. I, I, I can't do this. And he's not answering. And she asks what's the telephone number is. And I'm like, I don't know. Google it. Like I, I, I could not even like think through these contractions all of a sudden. They were just serious. Stop talking to me. That's <laughs> <laughs> They were awful. Like did not have contractions like this with my first. And again, I did it like to eight centimeters, like not, or not my first, my second. And uh, I was just like, uh, I got to get in the shower. So I get in the shower and I'm sitting there and I sat there till the water ran out of hot water. And I was like, I plugged the, the tub before that because I was like well maybe sitting in a tub would be nice too and so when the water ran out of hot water I'm now laying in the tub and I'm just screaming on the top of my lungs and I'm like just think about the work crew who's like on the other side of this wall in our kitchen working on making our kitchen and I'm just screaming on the top of my lungs my two-year-old keeps walking in asking for something and I'm just yelling at her to get out she's like mama mama I hurt my nose and I'm like I don't care get out of here just screaming um, it was just so painful. And all of a sudden, my husband walks in and he goes, oh, what's going on? And I'm like, ah, I'm having a baby. Like, obviously, you can hear me screaming. He's like, well, the entire crew was standing outside, like in a huddle. Like, what should we do? Uh, and I'm yelling orders at him now. And I'm like, you need to get the bag. He's like, OK, I got the bag. I was like, you need to go get my dress. He comes down with I, I don't even remember what dress he came down with. I was like, no, there's a black dress in the closet. Go get me my black dress. I'm not going to be able to put clothes on. Like, go get that. He goes up and gets me the dress. Um, he comes in. He goes, um, my mom's here, so we don't take the girls with us. And I was like, thank God, because I, I was going to leave the girls for the work crew. I, I wasn't going to care right then. The work crew could watch our children. It was just, I was done. So slowly I get out. Uh, I tell him, yes, put the dress on me, because there's no way I'm going to be able to dress myself. I tell him to grab my shoes because for my first two children, I went home barefoot because I did not have my shoes. So this one, I wanted to make sure I had my shoes. So I had him grab my shoes. Good tip right uh, there. <laughs> yeah. Nope. 
I, I went home barefoot for a third time too. So I'll explain that afterwards. <laughs> so I get into his truck and I, I can't sit down. I said, get a towel underneath me. Just get my water breaks. Like, and I'm just screaming and obscenities are coming out of my mouth. And I feel terrible because my kids are looking at me like, what the heck is going on? They only know about cesareans because that's all I've had. Those are the pictures I've shown them. And so I'm standing up basically in the front seat of his truck, just standing there screaming and being like, drive. We live on dirt roads. So the entire time I'm cursing the dirt roads because it's all bumpy. They've yeah, rated it this way. We have week. a two hour drive to the hospital. Is that right? We have, yes, we have a two hour drive to the hospital. But I am certain I'm going to make it because my last labor was so long. Like, there's no way that we're not going to make it. We're driving two hours. So we're driving and our little town is having its bridge work done. So we have one red light now. And of course, we hit that one red light. And I'm now cursing at the red light. And my husband's like, <laughs> really? Like, like, he's just like laughing beside himself because it's like, this is this is what's happening. Exactly. We have one red light. And this is what we're doing. We're hitting the You're red like, light. And she's screaming obscenities at me. This is your moment to blow that red light, right? <laughs> yeah. If you can see the other side of the bridge and didn't know people were coming, I pro or knew people were coming, I probably would have told him to do so. Yeah. But I, didn't have, I didn't even have a head-on collision at that point. <laughs> um, in our mommy group uh, that I am on on Facebook for the due date group or whatever, the, the day before, I think it was, I was telling, there was some girl who was like, oh, I, um, I almost had a car birth. And I was like, well, I take a car birth over cesarean any day. And I'm thinking to myself, did I just wish this upon myself? Like, am I going to have this baby in this car? So we got two hours to drive. All the hospitals around us don't do VBACs. Like, not even VBACs after cesareans, they don't do VBACs at all. So any chance in my head that I'm going to get a VBAC is I have to drive two hours. I have to get to this hospital. So uh, my husband's driving. We make it about two exits down uh, the highway. And I'm telling him, you need to call the midwife group. And my midwife, midwife group has two different locations. And he's calling the one on speakerphone that is the second location. I'm like, no, that's not the right one. You need to call this one. So he calls that one, tells him that we're on our way. And... Uh, they ask, oh, how, how often are her contractions coming? And I just yell, too, too, uh, too close together. We're, we're coming. Like, you're not going to stop this. And I had him call my doula. He's talking to doula. And the doula says, is that her in the background? He goes, yeah, that's her. She goes, stop the car right now. Call 911. Get an ambulance. And I'm like, no, we don't need an ambulance. Just, just keep driving. Like, you're, you're going to slow us down. Just, just get there. I'll add that he also was using Google to get there because he hasn't been to any of my appointments and he's never been to the city really at all. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> so he's following Google and the way Google takes you is these back Longer. roads through Amish <sighs> country because we live mm. we live like in an Amish country. And I'm like, no, get back on the highway. I don't care if it's two minutes longer. Like you're, you're driving on the highway. Like I'm not going through Amish country and getting stopped by a buggy or getting stopped by a train. Stay on the highway. So our two exits down... And he's like, okay, well, doula said, call, call an ambulance. I'm calling an ambulance. I'm like, okay, call the ambulance. You're, you're overreacting, but whatever, as I'm screaming. Behind us, a trooper pulls up and Matt, my husband tells me, oh, look, the ambulance, is That's not the ambulance, that's a trooper. He's not going to be able to help us with anything. Trooper comes over I and says, you. Uh, <laughs> he, he goes, the ambulance will be here in a second. He's, they're right behind me. So the ambulance pulls up and I'm still standing in the front of the truck. 
no seatbelt, nothing. Like can't even kneel down or sit down in this truck. I am just standing, screaming. And the guy from the ambulance comes in and says, okay, well, I need you to get onto the stretcher. And I said, I can't move. And I'm yelling at him. And he goes, childbirth isn't that bad. Oh. And I looked at him and I just screamed again, more obscenities. Um, I have my four-year-old and two-year-old watching TV in front of me. So I will not be screaming those obscenities. But I was like, you're a man. Like you have no say in this. You have, you have no idea what this is like. Like you, you cannot tell me it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I've delivered many babies and my, I've delivered five of my own for my wife. And I'm just like, yeah, you did not have a baby. And like, I'm yelling at him. And he's like, well, I need you to get on the stretcher. So somehow I managed to get on the stretcher, but I'm on the stretcher uh, on my hands and knees again, holding on to the top of it. And he tells me, no, you have to roll over. You have to lay on your back. And I told him, there's no way I'm going to roll over. There's no way I'm going to lay on my back. I- I'm good like this. He goes, after arguing me for a few minutes that it's not safe, that I can't go like that. He finally decides to put like the seatbelt or whatever stretcher has around back of my legs and wheels me into the, uh, the ambulance with him. He's got another guy with him, I believe. And then there's this young girl and the uh, young girl is obviously very new to being an EMT. At one point I hear him thank her for coming because they needed a female to come, I guess. But she has no idea about anything with birth or anything. <laughs> her um, eyes are wide. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm yelling at her to squeeze my hips because I'm in so much pain. Uh, my husband was squeezing my hips in the truck for me oh, uh, for each contraction. After everything was said and done, my husband told me that if we have a fourth, which before he told me absolutely not, we were never having another kid after three. If we have a fourth, he needs to go to the gym and work on whatever muscles he needs to be able to squeeze hips. Because he has no muscle there. That's uh, right. It's hard work, isn't it, Megan? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I yelled at him, I go, this is why I needed a doula. She knows what to do. Yeah. Well, and that's another uh, pro of a doula, too, is they can switch off. Yes. That's what I was looking forward to. I was going to have this really long labor, and they were going to switch off. When his arms got tired, her arms would pop in, and <laughs> it would be wonderful. But I'm in, the, I'm in the ambulance, and I'm yelling at this poor young girl that she needs to squeeze my hips. and. The guy's trying to just tell her, like, you've got to squeeze her hips. That's what she wants. And then my body decides that it is going to start pushing on its own, but not push out a baby, but push out um, poop, which mm-hmm. I... Comes first sometimes. I, uh, <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, I read all the things sign. and all the things said, yeah, that happens. And people just wipe it up and you'll never even know. And I'm yelling at the girl, like, um, I apologize, but this is happening. And she's like looking at the guy like, what do I do? And he's like, just don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. I'm like, like every contraction now I am now pooping and extremely embarrassed by this and screaming because I'm in so much pain. And the guy who has delivered so many babies and childbirth isn't that bad tells me I need to relax so he can put an IV in my hand. Oh boy. And I tell him if he wants to be relaxed, he needs to give me some drugs. He tells me he can't give me any drugs because I'm having a baby and there are no drugs that are safe for a baby. Oh, dear. And he goes, well, if I get this IV in you at the hospital, they'll they'll be able to give you some drugs. And I said, okay. So I, I managed to somehow stop squeezing my hand and let him have it. And he, he get, got the IV in. We pull up to the, um, the hospital and they roll me into the hospital. And there's probably about, my husband said he counted 25 people in the room. One of the nurses I talked to later said he counted at least 30 people in the room. 
Um, it's an ER room because this hospital does not have a maternity ward at all. So they don't deliver babies at all, which was surprised to me, especially when I asked for drugs and they told me that they couldn't give me anything. Mm-hmm. Like the EMT guy promised me you'd be able to give me drugs. So that's a good point, Jackie, because if you call an ambulance, they have to take you to the, the nearest hospital, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, it, so the nearest hospital to was to the one that you had intended to give birth at. Right. But I still thought that they'd take me to one that I could give birth at because 30 minutes north of this hospital, there was a hospital that um, I ended up being transferred to after I gave birth that does have maternity ward. But no, they brought me to the closest one possible. And they had, again, no maternity ward, nobody who's delivered babies. But the entire staff standing by. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The, The entire staff, I'm pretty sure, of this hospital standing in the room with me. My husband was like, I had nothing to do during your labor. And he goes, I walked in. First of all, he uh, followed Google again and did not end up at the right hospital. And then was mm-hmm. like, oh, wait a second. I know what hospital this is. We've driven past it before. And he ends up at that hospital. He says he walked in and had my bag and my birth plan, hands my birth plan to the nurse. And the nurse goes, well, we don't have time for that. Throws it. Uh, and uh, he was like, okay. So I remembered the one thing I had to remember and, oh. and they don't even want it. He goes, I get in there and they stay, they put me behind you at my head because I'm still on my hands and knees on top of a stretcher right now. And he goes, there were, there were so many people around. I had nothing to do. I had, he goes, you had two people who were wiping your forehead for you. You had three people who were like holding your hand for you. You had somebody who was wiping your butt. Uh, he goes, every single person has something to do. And I just was standing there looking like an idiot. <laughs> he goes, there's so many people in that room. I was like, yeah, it's a lot different than uh, our second labor where we were the only two people in the room. So... We're in there with all those, all the people just staring at me. There was a sweet woman up by my head who kept telling me wonderful, nice things. And if I wasn't in labor, I'd probably hug her and tell her she was a wonderful person. But I was in so much pain. I just kept yelling at her to just shut her mouth and be quiet and all these terrible things that I feel so bad about now. At one point, she uh, advises whoever's on the other side of me, I don't know, to maybe shut the blinds to the ER room because it's like all glass. So like you walk into the ER and what you would see was my behind as I'm trying to give birth on a stretcher with 25 people around me. So I was very thankful she said that they should probably shut all these blinds. People weren't watching. But they have someone come in and they tell me that this is a pediatrician. She's delivered a, she's delivered babies before, so it's going to be okay. So that's my first hint that they don't have anybody to deliver babies at this hospital. That I, There's a pediatrician here now and she's delivered babies. It's okay. So... The pediatrician decides she needs to check me and in the middle of contraction shuts her hand up and I'm just screaming and I'm like, get your hand out of me. I uh, started kicking her, which again, I feel terrible about. Now I apologize for after the fact that I definitely kicked her a couple of times telling her to get away from me. They kept telling me I had to be on my back to be checked. I told them, no, you can have babies on your knees. Like I'm not laying on my back. I can't do that. I can't roll over. I, again, involuntarily are pushing so much poop out of myself which again no one prepares you for that everyone tells you oh no don't worry about it like no one no one's even gonna notice everybody knew it was happening my husband knew it was happening there was poop in front of me on the stretcher there was just poop everywhere and I was just so embarrassed I was like nobody told you that this much could happen at some point they told me that I'm pushing out this baby I think it was like 9 30 a.m when my husband called the ambulance and we were at the hospital by probably 
maybe 10 o'clock and we were there and the pediatrician said tell me you just got to start pushing just keep pushing keep pushing and I'm like there's no way I'm having this baby like I, I went 48 hours the last one like I was barely having contractions an hour ago like there's no way this baby is coming out of me and she's like you gotta push you gotta push you gotta push so I, I start pushing and then they finally convinced me to roll over that I might be able to push better in that position so I rolled over that position I think it was like three or four more pushes and out popped a baby at some point I thought she again was trying to find out where my cervix was and had her hand up inside of me and I'm yelling at her to stop that and she's like it, it's not me your baby is coming out and again I did not believe that there was a baby going to be born like I could not believe it at all and when she came out I again was still shocked like I just had a baby and they wanted a c-section like this didn't make any sense to me whatsoever <laughs> and, and I'm just sitting there like complete shock and like I, I couldn't believe it. And they're like, you have a, because we have surprises for each of our kids. So they go, and what do you have? And I told them it was a surprise. And they're like, we have another girl. My husband's like, uh, three girls, just what I always wanted. But I had my V back after two cesareans. And I, again, like you said, you're just on like this birth high, like I actually did this. Mm-hmm. Um, they had, I had a second degree tear and the pediatrician person is trying to stitch me up again. I'm on a stretcher. I'm also again covered in poop because I was kneeling in it. So there's like four nurses wiping me down, giving me like a sponge bath, get all the poop off me. Uh, my husband and I are joking that the room smells terrible. And why would 25 people want to stand around and watch this? Because it smells so bad in that room. So that was a lot of fun. We still joke about that now, even though I tell him he can't talk about it with anybody else. Um, they stitched me up. The pediatrician was complaining because they don't have any beds with stirrups and they don't have any beds with like the broken down parts like you give birth in. So I was on a ER stretcher and she could barely get in there to do my stitches comfortably. While we're doing this, some other lady walks in and says, hey, just to let you know, we don't have a mother and baby wings. So you guys are going to be transferred. Do you mind going to this hospital that was like a half hour away? And I was like, sure I already had the baby I guess it doesn't matter which hospital I go to now mm-hmm. uh, so they get another ambulance and they put me in an ambulance and they take me to this other hospital where oh uh, where I saw the OB that walked in I think as I was pushing from that hospital they called the, that OB down about a half hour away to come so I guess I must have been pushing for or there for at least a half hour because the OB walked in and he comes up and I said he said well is your husband coming yet my husband will be up he was at the hospital. He's like, oh, he was the one. My husband's got a really big orange beard. He's like, oh, he's the one with a big beard. I was like, yeah. He goes, this guy's got telling a nurse. This guy's got a great beard. He goes, I thought he was, uh, the way he was dressed too, he came from school. So he's in a shirt and a tie and khakis. He goes, I, I thought he was another OB that they called in and he got there first. Mm-hmm. And he was just watching. And he goes, yeah. So when I got to the hospital, he goes, she's in active labor, about to have this baby. And he goes, some, uh, one of the nurses turns to me, she goes, so are we going up to the OR now? Are we going to do the, are we going to do the section now? And I, she, he's like, I turned to her and goes, she's pushing out the baby. Why do we need to go to OR or C-section? Just let her have the baby. She knows what she's doing. Uh-huh. And just made me laugh that, again, I had a V-back after cesarean in a hospital that was absolutely not prepared to even deliver a baby. <laughs> wow. Um, Delivering my placenta, uh, they had to look for a hemorrhage kit because they couldn't find Pitocin to give me Pitocin. 
Uh, my husband was like, hold on, are they dusting off that box over there? Because they've never seen this before. Like, one of the nurses, we said, so how many ba- people do you have to come in here have babies? She goes, uh, I've been here for a year and nobody's had a baby here yet this year. Oh, wow. <laughs> she goes, so that's probably why everybody was in here. Yeah. Um, they wanted to see if somebody a, have a baby. gave them a story that they'll be telling for a long time. Yeah. It, it definitely was it definitely crazy. Like, I never thought that could happen as fast as it did. Never thought that, yeah. Never thought I'd have a VBAC after cesareans for starters, and never thought I'd have one in a hospital that doesn't didn't, deliver babies. Yeah, I just didn't, didn't even do babies. So you sent your, your husband to work and had the baby before lunchtime. Well, that's what I said when I had the baby. I was 1042 <laughs> when I had the baby. So again, I was texting him at eight that maybe he should come home. I think mm. we were in the car around nine. 1042 is when the baby was born. And I said, hey, you have lunch duty soon. Do you want to go back for that? <laughs> and he laughed. He goes, I think I'll take the rest of the day off. I think I'll, I think yeah. I'll stay. <laughs> His adrenaline was sky high. Oh, my god. He went back to school the following day, and his principal was like, uh, you had a baby yesterday. Why are you here? He said, why shouldn't I be here? She's got nurses looking after her. She's fine. My, my mother's got the other two kids. We're good. I could be at school. <laughs> That's the parents of a third child right there. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, oh. very much parents of a third child. <laughs> I love it, though. I love it all. It's so awesome. Such an adrenaline rush. I mean, one that like so many people are never going to forget. Like seriously. I mean, you, you did something. I feel like I need to send them something though. Like a card saying, I'm sorry for all my obscenities. I'm sorry. I was so rude to you. No, no. You know, we don't take anything personal as like birth workers. And I mean, I know they weren't birth workers, but they can't, they, <laughs> yeah. they can't take it personal. Right. right. Always say, Everything's forgiven in labor. We yep. know that things happen. Drama happens. Words yep. get said. Words <laughs> get hit. said. Yeah, things get done. I had <laughs> I had a mom bite me one time, like my hand. Oh, yeah. Like she had my. She just grabbed my hand, like and just bit, bit it. And and then after she was like, <gasps> "Did I just bite you?" And I was like, "Yep, but that's what she needed to do." So you're good. You're good. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Well, congratulations. I know you're still fresh off of this and I can just feel the energy and like, oh, it's so amazing. It's so amazing. It's incredible. How are you feeling about your healing so far? It's only been, it's been yeah. a short time. Right? Uh, how's, how's it I was a little shocked. I was a little shocked at the fact that there was more pain than I thought there was going to be having a mm, second degree mm-hmm. tear and lots of lovely hemorrhoids so Mm. sitting was not Mm -hmm. something fun yeah Uh, yeah so a little shocked by that but compared to a c-section it's so much better like i was thinking about our bedrooms are on the second floor the barn rec room that we're in is on the second floor like where we hang out right now doesn't have a bathroom so it'd be like i have to go up and down stairs how was i going to do that with having a c-section Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Still yeah. try not to so. do it too much after after this birth. <laughs> yeah. Still <laughs> like, take yeah. it easy. Still mm-hmm. take it easy. And sometimes we we just want to like get back into it, right? Like we just boom, just want to get back into it. And we have to remember that we still just did 
a very big thing. We pushed a baby out of us and we still have to recover and give our body time. Yeah. And that's the, that's a big mistake that we all, I, I definitely made it too. But when you feel so much better than you did the other time, you think, oh, I'm good to go. I can climb stairs. I can make my family dinner. I can do the things that I did before I had the baby. And it catches up with you and your healing takes a lot longer. Yeah. Don't rush it. Yeah. Awesome. Grace. Yeah. Yes. That yes. Give ourselves some grace. And I always tell people like when you're feeling really good, that means you need more time. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep giving yourself time. It's okay to take it. I love it. What an amazing story though. One you will never forget. And oh, thank you again so much for sharing it with us. Seriously. Thank you. One of the things uh, my husband said to me after I had the feedback, he goes, hey, now you can be on that podcast you listen to all the time. Oh, <laughs> did He's you like, tell you when call you got the email? <laughs> I have it. Yeah. Because I was like, well, what happens if something goes wrong and we don't actually get to record and it gets canceled or whatever? But yeah. I'll tell him when he gets home tonight. My four-year-old actually woke up throwing up this morning and I was like, oh. I'm not going to be able to do this because she's going to be throwing up all day, but she's she's held it down for the whole hour. So we had a lot going on. (laughs) Yes, you do. My gosh. Well, thank you for taking all the time today to share this beautiful story and congratulations once again. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Congratulations, Jackie. Enjoy those baby cuddles. I know. Those little coos are so sweet. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Tell us about your experience at thevbacklink.com slash share. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to thevbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC Link.